Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. My guest today is Monica Meeks. Monica spent 20 years in the United States Army before she retired in Fort Campbell, Kentucky in 2012. During her 20 years, she deployed to Haiti, Iraq, and Kuwait. Now she's working for the state of Tennessee as a financial services investigator. She's married to a retiree, and together they have a 14-year-old son and a dog. Monica is a survivor of military sexual trauma and receives counseling through the Vet Center. In a showing of the play, The Vagina Monologues, Monica performed an original monologue calling for attention to sexual assault survivors who have served in the military. She attended her first Veterans Path retreat in Beckwith almost three years ago, and recently attended a second retreat in October in California. We're going to learn a lot more about Monica, military sexual assault, and Veterans Path in this episode of the Veterans Path podcast. Welcome to the show, Monica. Well, thank you for having me, John. Yeah, thanks so much for being willing to come onto the show today and, and share your story. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important to share stories like yours with our audience. Um, so that said, kind of before getting into our questions, I'm making a habit of starting every show by letting our listeners know what we do at Veterans Path okay. and then specifically why we're doing this show. So Veterans Path, writ large, the organization, introduces veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word PATH, P-A-T-H, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support and attendance at our retreats while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. Listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. All right. So that all said, we'll get into it. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I I covered your bio um, in the intro, but before we jump into the show, uh, what else would you like our listeners to know about you? Maybe how you got into the financial investigations world and what kind of dog you've got, hobbies, what, whatever you would like our, our listeners to know about you. Well, sure, John. Um, I have a men pen, and she is uh, seven years old, and I'm married. I think you've already mentioned that uh, to a retired service uh, member. He works as a counselor at the Education Center on Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And we have a one-and-done son, uh, Jared, who's uh, 14. <laughs> my, my hobbies are I, I'm a shoe girl, so I... My husband and his my, and my father-in-law built me a shoe rack. <laughs> I love it. It does not. It, I, I still have shoes that won't fit on the shoe rack. So I think his initial intention was to build me a shoe rack so I would stop buying shoes. <laughs> 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 but that has not happened. So I, I love shoes. I'm very active in our community. We have a Women Veterans of America here in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, Montgomery County is probably the fastest growing veteran population because of Fort Campbell. 
um, CONUS. So we have a, a great population of women veterans that we try to reach back and provide any type of resources we can. So I'm a strong advocate for women veterans. Excellent. So um, your your shoe collection or your shoe <laughs> hobby, was that something that started after you got out of the military or did you have a whole ton of shoes while you were in the military as well? Actually, no, I had, when I went to, I was stationed in South Korea and I didn't know that it was a problem until we, we, we did room inspections and the platoon sergeant uh, came in and he was like, how many pair of shoes do you have? So they were lined up to the, <laughs> and I was like, well, nobody's ever really asked me that. And I think I was like 19 at the time and the shopping, if you've ever had the um, opportunity to be in, in South Korea is, is so phenomenal that you can't pass away good shoes because you get right. them, you know, for, at a decent price. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Everything overseas is so much cheaper. Right. I, I, like, right. I, I was, uh, I've, I've visited South Korea, but I've been stationed in, in Bahrain and, okay. you know, I, I got a suit or I got several suits over there for like a hundred bucks a piece. Right. And now I've uh, recently grown out of those suits, and I had to buy a suit here in America. And I was like, oh, you know, how much does a, a suit cost? I was, I was floored at how much right. they cost here. Um, but, you know, they're, they're good quality here. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so you retired after 20 years in the Army. What did you do in the Army? Well, fortunately, um, my last three years, I was an assistant inspector general. So that means I did not have any soldiers my last three years in the military. I wasn't responsible for anybody but me, myself, and I. And uh, as assistant inspector general, you look into violations of potential Army policies and regulations. So I was able to do that for uh, last three years in the military, gotcha. which worked out great for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that set you up for your financial investigation world? It did. It opened the door. Um, I would say Soldier for Life program at Fort Campbell is probably one of the best ones um, we have stateside. And they actually have on-the-spot interviews. So I took a chance and went to an interview that uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, TBI, was offering. I was the only female there and was kind of nervous about being there, but I had a degree in criminal justice. And he uh, offered me an opportunity to come and um, tour the TBI headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee. So I took him up on that opportunity. He offered me a job. First, it was special agent, but I decided to go uniform officer because I really wasn't um, familiar on what the responsibilities were for actual agent. So at 38 years old, I went to the Tennessee Law Enforcement Training Academy. And all that happened because I took the chance and went to a brief um, at the Soldier for Life program on Fort Campbell. So that opened the doors. From there, I was afforded an opportunity to uh, take a job where you make more money to get rid of the badge, the gun, um, <laughs> your uniform. And of course, I hopped on that opportunity to, um, to and start investigating white collar crimes, which I absolutely love. So nice. What's <laughs> the uh, taking a chance? <laughs> what's the biggest crime you've uh, investigated, if you don't mind my asking? Or if I can, I even ask that. You, you can ask most of the investigations um, from the comptroller's offices where I initially started doing white collar crime investigations have been closed. But uh, an interesting one, I, I tell people, if you're stealing from your job, that's not the only place you're stealing from. So we had a issue with uh, someone that was managing the conference center in Manchester. That's also where they do that the, fest the music festival, Bonnaroo. So she was already making more than most people in this county. And I just started Googling her name to see what else will pop up. And interestingly enough, um, she had this walk a mile in, in walk a mile in their boot, 
which is supposed to be a nonprofit that she was trying to set up and, and gather funds for for veterans. And I was like, I know she has not given one dime um, to veterans, and we couldn't <laughs> prove it because most people have, you know, they give cash donations, especially when you say we're helping a veteran. People that that pulls on the heartstrings. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that she stole the money, but I couldn't prove that. But we were able to tell um, to prove time theft as well as her using uh, conference funds for her own personal use. She took a cruise to Scandinavia, and I was like, I'm in the military. I was in the military for 20 years, and I've never been on a scan- to Scandinavia. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just able to uh, get those receipts, and she's one of those that wasn't too bright, so she posted pictures <laughs> on Facebook, so I was able to uh, get those oh, pictures wow. and those pictures. And, um, yeah, it was so she white collar crimes they really don't do what they should i don't think because they think it's well it's a victimless crime but it's not when you're stealing from one of the poorest counties in tennessee then that's a problem so that's one of my favorite cases that i got to work yeah good for you and her downfall was was social media essentially her postings yeah wow so you actually covered the soldier for life piece and how how great that was for you it's it's funny you mentioned that because dave drake and i dave is the new executive director for veterans path he okay. and I have a call this afternoon with the Transition to Veterans Program Office, I guess the larger office that kind of runs all the Soldier for Life's and the Transition Assistance Programs, depending on which service you're in, you know, they're called different things. Um, we are trying to hopefully get some type of resilience training, mindfulness training built into the, the TAP or the Soldier for Life programs mm-hmm. um, because... You know, there's there's stress in being in the military. There's stress in several of the things that we do in the military. There's stress in things that happen to us in the military. But there's also stress in the transition itself and the loss of purpose, loss of mission, loss of identity. And we're hoping that if we can implement some type of mindfulness training into that transition phase, then we can set people up for better success on the outside. It sounds like you had tremendous success through the Soldier for Life program, though. So congratulations! I love yeah. I love that you were able to find something that you enjoy doing, and and you found it through the Soldier for Life program. I, mean, I, I don't know how often that actually happens. I don't think it happens as often as it needs to because people don't realize how stressful that transition is and I really we don't have a yoga program on Fort Campbell but I would I think so many people would benefit that just you don't know how uh, appropriate it would be to tell somebody sometimes when they're stressing out just hey just breathe right because you think you're breathing but you're not so when somebody Absolutely. tells you to breathe and you take an intentional breath an intentional breath it makes a huge difference in how we handle stress so oh, yeah good oh, luck with your program I hope it works out for you well thank you thank you very much so you're married to a retiree as well. What what did he do in, in the military? He was a Black Hawk mechanic, so he worked aviation. <laughs> okay. And yeah. did you guys meet in the military, at like uh, an overseas romance or anything? No, we met in, in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he was a recruiter, and I had the benefit of working at the military entrance processing station uh, located oh, in yeah. Broadview Heights, Ohio. So we met. A friend introduced us, so we've been inseparable ever since. <laughs> nice, nice. So I'm going to transition here. And I mean, this is one of the reasons that you went through Veterans Path, and it's definitely one of the topics that we want to cover. So you're a victim of military sexual assault. Um, and as much as you feel comfortable about this, what did you do immediately after the assault? Um, well, unfortunately, um, 
the sexual assault took place at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and it was in the mid-90s. And during that time frame, there was no sexual assault response coordinator. There was no unrestricted, restricted reporting. There were no, we weren't taught about the procedures on how to file a complaint if someone has sexually assaulted you. So um, it happened in a medical room at um, on Fort Bragg. And I wasn't sure, it's like I became numb. Mm-hmm. Like, is this a dream? Is this a nightmare? Um, did this really happen? So as um, after the appointment was over, I went back to my barracks room and uh, confided in my roommate and um, she shared that she had been assaulted when she was in Korea. So I'm like, wow, she's was she's a white female, blonde hair, blue eyes. So I'm like, well, there is no discrimination when it comes to sexual assault. But Mm -hmm. um, she didn't report her issue and I didn't report mine because there was really no policies and procedures on how you would report sexual assault. So um, unfortunately, um, the army didn't have uh, anything to help victims of sexual assault. So and and for our audience, uh, and again, Dave and I were discussing this yesterday. Uh, Dave is not military. I am. I am military, um, and I've been in since 1996. And since then, I have seen a tremendous increase in the awareness of sexual assault within the military, but also what the military is attempting to do. Uh, so you mentioned the sexual assault response coordinator, the SARC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned restricted and unrestricted reporting. For, for our audience who may not know what that is, the, the restricted, you know, the, the victim uh, name and a lot of the identity is kept um, quiet, but it, they're offered services through that, through that channel, whereas the unrestricted, there's certain people, once you tell a, a certain person, then the, the reporting becomes unrestricted. Uh, they still receive the same services, but the the chain of command finds out, and there's a whole different process. And that's what we in the military are taught these days. You know the difference in the different reporting procedures, what's offered to you in those through those channels, et cetera. Um, that all said, um, obviously prevention is still the best thing, and we as a as a military are doing our best to change the the way things happen in the military so that we can, in fact, prevent more uh, sexual assaults from happening. Monica, what do you think could be done to better assist those who are victims of military sexual assault today? Just providing resources in a safe space so that um, we, I was, um, in 2005, I was made a unit victim advocate. And at that time, I was still suppressing my own um, personal um, issues with uh, being a survivor of MST, but I was able to get training. And I was like, this would have been so wonderful, you know, in the mid nineties if we had this. So I, I took my job very seriously when it was, it was additional duty as unit victim advocate, where if something happens, especially I was on Fort Lee at the time, so it's a training base. And a lot of times uh, people take advantage of the positions in their, that they're in drill sergeants or, or attack somebody that's 18, 19 years old, and they don't know. So just awareness, training, uh, resources, safe space. Um, I always say don't re-victimize a a person that's been um, a victim of um, sexual assault. When I did the vagina monologues in February of this year, uh, one of the um, displays showed like what you have on when you 
were assaulted. And for me, it would have been a uniform. I was in my my battle dress uniform when I was assaulted. So telling someone, hey, maybe if you wouldn't have worn this, maybe if you wouldn't have said this, then you wouldn't mm-hmm. have been a, a victim is very, in my opinion, ignorant. So we just sure. have to provide resources and, the- and, and training so people know um, that it's okay to come forth and um, get, because you're going to need some therapy, get the therapy sure. that you need if you are a survivor of MST. Right. And and that's what you mean going back to people saying uh, maybe you shouldn't have been wearing that, maybe you shouldn't have been in that situation. When you say re-victimization, that's what you're meaning by that. By right. Basically making the victim feel even worse about the situation right. for what for what they did and making it almost seem as though it's their fault. Right. Um, so you talked about the vagina monologues. How did that come to be? Uh, that you were a part of that, and would you mind sharing some of what that actually consisted of for you? I sure can. Um, well, thankfully, my battle buddy, she works at the Soldier Skills Program on Fort Campbell, and Austin P. State University, which is our local college here in Clarksville, Tennessee, they were looking for veterans to read uh, their scripts of the vagina monologue, so Teresa re- reached out to me. And I said, well, I'll go and try out our audition. I was the oldest person there. And I decided to, because I was writing, that was part of some of the things I learned in Veterans Path was kind of like, if you can't verbalize it, then just put it on paper. So I was doing some writings and I decided to get up there during the audition and do an original piece. And it detailed, uh, was very graphic and very vulgar, but it allowed me to express what happened to me at Fort Bragg. Mm. So, um, they let me, they had to obtain permission first from the university, but they allowed me to read in my original piece on military sexual trauma. And all the proceeds for that um, went to the Sexual Assault Center here in Clarksville, Tennessee. So I was very proud to be a part of that. Um, Absolutely. That my friend Teresa was like, she just, hey, Monica, they're looking for veterans. And I always want to make sure that we're represented in everything, especially with the whole Me Too movement. This is mm-hmm. not something new. This is something that a lot of women and men have experienced, so I wanted to be a, a part of that. So I auditioned and, and made it, and um, we had a house full of women veterans that came out to support me, so I was very grateful in, in, of that. And it was my first time sharing publicly my military sexual uh, trauma assault. And two of my close friends, which I, I mean, I haven't really gone into detail with them, but they came up to me and was like, you know, that happened to me. And to look at these women, I'm like, well, oh my goodness, one of them happened to be a whack. And mm-hmm. um, she told, that's the Women's Army Corps. Right. And she, of course, during that time, there was no uh, reporting procedures, but she shared, you know, hey, thank you for being brave enough to get up there and share your story because you're not alone. And it happened to me. I had two different women to tell me that. So just giving a voice and bringing attention to what happens and how you can recover from it. So how did, very proud to do that. How did that feel uh, to you actually in the moment sharing that publicly like that? It was very stressful, but empowering. I decided to wear a BDU jacket since that's what I had on when I was assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I also wore combat boots nice. and a, a little black bodysuit because I was letting them know that it, it's, it does not matter what you have on that you, anybody can be, both men and women, because I think sometimes we forget that men are also victims of sexual assault exactly. in the military. So. Right. And, uh, and that, this is another discussion Dave and I had yesterday is, is that that is kind of a, 
uh, an idea that when people hear that, they automatically assume it's it's all women, or right. they think that it's one gender on the other. It can be the same gender right. uh, on both sides. So you know, it's it's just like it is in the rest of humanity. Right. Uh, the the uh, the assaults that do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned how that was received amongst the the women veterans that attended. Um, how was it received amongst the the other uh, people that were part of the crowd? Well, some of them were very numb to it because there are some attended the vagina monologue. There are some parts that there is laughter involved, but there are some parts that are very serious. So I did lock eyes with one young lady um, while I was doing my monologue, and um, she's a student at Austin P. And I just um, it's like our souls were talking without me conversing. So um, I think it was well re- received. It did make the local paper just the the fact that a veteran um, decided to use her. I tried to. I, decided to use my own uh, monologue in vagina monologues because they did kind of, they told the story of the Fort Campbell soldier that was beaten to death with a baseball bat. Oh, that was wow. part of the monologue for his orient, sexual orientation, his sexual preference. Um, they killed him. And that was before I was stationed at Fort Campbell, but I was glad that it brought more awareness to things that happen when um, we don't teach tolerance and acceptance of people. Right. 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 So I think it was well received among um the local college students. Excellent. Well, I, I applaud you for having the courage to, to share that. And I'm sure, like you, you mentioned, the the people that were in the crowd who have also been exposed to military sexual trauma or sexual trauma just in general, hearing that from you emboldened them. Um, obviously, I brought you on the show because you have this story that we want our listeners to hear. And you've dealt with adversity and, and overcome obstacles through practicing me- meditation. Before we get any further into the meditation mindfulness practices, I just want to take a second here to put in a quick plug for our sponsors that help to support Veterans Path. Okay, Okay. welcome back. Getting back into questions here with Army retiree, financial services investigator, and military sexual assault survivor, Monica Meeks. Monica, you've attended multiple Veterans Path retreats. How did you first hear about Veterans Path? The first time I heard about Veterans Path, John, was through my um, vet center counselor. And at the time, um, she offered us four different locations. I'm someone that's terrified to fly. So I picked Vet with Alabama based off a location. I was going to go with the battle buddy. Um, She decided to bail on me. And I said, (laughs) I'm going to go. And I end up flying to um, Mobile, Alabama. (laughs) So... um, just an introduction. I was like, well, what does it entail? I, I really didn't know. And she was like, I said, oh, some, as my girlfriend would say, some hippie-ish. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. I was like, so we're going to be one with nature, walking around, painting rocks. I didn't really didn't know what to expect. But she's like, Monica, I think, you know, it would be very beneficial for you to go down, to participate in Veterans Path. And, uh, you know, you, you never know um, who you're going to meet. So I took her up on, on the offer filled out my paperwork with the counselor um, that I see every two weeks at the vet center. And uh, it was really life-changing for me. I think um, I was very closed-minded the first time I went. I didn't participate in everything that was offered to me. I don't think I took advantage of some of the resources that was offered to me. Well, I think one or two of the sessions I decided to stay in my room. So (laughs) I was not as open the first time as I was uh, recently when I went in October to Julian, California for mm-hmm. the second retreat because I knew that I was going to know some people from the um, trip I went to in Beckwith, Alabama. So um, I was 
made known of it through my counselor at the vet center. So it really changed my life. I know that sounds cliche, but no, it really not at all. helped me to be more open. Just the things that, the one of the things that I remember doing, and I'm still good friends with some of the people that I initially met in, in Beckwith, and we do a girl's trip every year. Really? But I, I, yeah, I remember walking in the woods at Beckwith. No one had their cell phones and out at the time, and we were identifying different trees and leaves and stuff, and it just felt so surreal, um, just so peaceful, just being in the wilderness, being so far away from civilization and I was like, I really, I really like this. And a lot of us um, enjoyed the, the walk. And I think we had Air Force. We had all branches of service that participated in that particular um, walk. So very um, beneficial to me. All, all branches and what, all eras as well, right? Uh, right. If I... Well, I think, yeah, yeah, because we had some, some seasoned lady veterans that participated. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, the, the military sexual trauma, and you mentioned um, some of the drill sergeants that may have, uh, push themselves on an 18-year-old, but then there are there's military sexual trauma throughout all ages within right. within the service, and then some who don't really bring it out or allow it to come out until many years after they leave the service. So we at Veterans Path, we do um, bring in uh, members from various services and from all the different eras. So. Since you did do a second retreat, uh, you did mention that there, you, you went through some life-changing, life-saving things. Um, what, what were the things that brought you back to the second retreat? I considered the second retreat, which was October of this year, a reunion. I knew two of my friends were going, so uh, and I knew what to expect. And I, I participated in everything. That was one of the comments that uh, one of my fellow veteran sisters said at, on the last day, she was like, Monica, you participated in everything. And I said, well, you have to talk to Tiffany because the, in Beckwith, I did not. I was not <laughs> open to it. So I think it, it's very, um, it helps if you are allowed to go a second time because you kind of know what to expect mm -hmm. and you put, you get what you put into it. So I think I put a lot more into the California Veterans Path retreat than I did with Beckwith because I knew there, there was some familiarity for me with the counselors and um, I knew I had a support system. So if I was triggered, I knew that there was a safe space for me to go and talk to somebody one-on-one. -on -one. So definitely more open this this go around for right. the victim's path. It, it does take a little bit of time to open up to uh, meditation and mindfulness. I mean, there you mentioned kind of thinking that it was a bunch of hippie Right. Ish, ish stuff. And, uh, and I mean, that's why I, I did not practice it initially was I had that right. same kind of stereotype, um, first of all. And second of all, I, I ended up getting into it, seeing the benefits. And then, quite honestly, I met some of those hippie people and I love them. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I've kind of changed my, my tune a whole lot. Um, you mentioned getting out there in nature not having your cell phones out, kind of uh, disconnecting to reconnect, if you will. Um, how have you implemented some of the other things that you have learned through Veterans Path um, in your everyday or regular life, your regular routines? 
Well, thankfully, we do have the vet center here. And like I mentioned earlier, we do have a, a high population of veterans in Clarksville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we also have some great parks here. So one of the tools, I uh, remember, I think it was day two at Beckwith, they gave us the, I, I call them the, the cleaning pipes, the little pipes that you can twist. Yeah. Yep. Pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners. Yep. I, I never would think that that would help you with nervousness, but I... Um, use those when I'm stressed out, when I'm in meetings that I don't want to be in, and it really helps me to relieve stress. So one of the takeaways for me was just to, hey, have something in your purse that you can use, that you can just pull out. And people don't know if you're under the table playing with a pipe cleaner. <laughs> so <laughs> right. just those gadgets that, you know, that we were given. It's like at the time, it's like, man, this, is, this isn't going to work, but it really <laughs> does work. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the old, it's like the uh, the thing before the fidget spinners right. uh, that have become right. so popular. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I need something constantly because I I used to bite my nails uh, oh, really gosh. badly um, <laughs> because I had had anxiety and and I just carried a, a nervous habit with me for years. I, I mean, literally decades. And uh, practicing mindfulness and meditation have helped me to stop biting my nails just in the last two years. Oh wow! And uh, and but having something always in my hands does help uh, with with that anxiety or that that nervous energy. Uh, I guess that's a better way of phrasing it. Nervous energy, yes. right? So, <laughs> I think that's what Tiffany calls. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's. I think that's a positive spin on on it. Right. right? Um, so, going back to the the MST, um, what is it that you think prevents people from seeking help after MST? There's so much stigma attached to it and in the military specifically I can speak on the army you're told you know suck it up and drive on and it doesn't mean if uh, if it's something that you shouldn't have to suck up and drive on you just um, have been institutionalized so you think that's something that you have to do and then just culturally speaking because I am a black woman like we're told that Jesus fixes everything sometimes so mm-hmm. um, my grandmother says well sometimes Jesus needs help so <laughs> there goes your therapy and um anything that can help you to um, deal with trauma that you have so yeah, yeah. so that um, that feeling what, what do you think can can really change that through our through our military just the uh, you got to have the uncomfortable conversation about sexual assault I bring it up the ladies know now and I used I, I could have never done this before veterans path but I'll say if something like I can't sit with my back to the door mm-hmm. no unless the door is closed and mm-hmm. I'm at home so I will tell them trigger and they know now when I say that oh move because my, you know and I there was there's so much stigma associated with getting uh, mental help right that um, when you make people uncomfortable because I know there are a lot of people I was just speaking with um, a, a guy from the vet center that need therapy but there's so much stigma that is associated with it they, they try to work it out on their own mm-hmm. and sometimes i think that's why we have such a high suicide rate is that there's a, there's not a safe space and people don't feel comfortable telling strangers about um about their problems or their issues so just bringing like you said earlier awareness that you're not alone it's not okay you did not do anything that uh, caused your sexual assault you did not lead anybody on so just awareness and having that uncom- uncomfortable conversation. They know, like I've had, um, we do, 
we meet here in Clarksville on the first Tuesday of the month at the library, and they know that I'm going to have, like last year, January, I wanted to start it off with yoga. So <laughs> I had a yoga instructor to come. She did it um, nice, free of charge. Yeah, she had free of charge. And some people, that was the first time they, they did yoga, and they really enjoyed it. So just creating safe spaces so we can have these conversations. And I mean, we have them with ourselves all the time. So just having a dialogue with somebody else who's been through something similar um, would really be beneficial. And I keep bringing, I brought a counselor uh, there this year. Yes, this year I brought a counselor there. So I always find ways that when we have get togethers to kind of bring in that, hey, if you need help, then these are the resources especially here in Clarksville, we have the Stephen Cohen, I think it is. So there's so many things that you, if you don't have insurance that um, you can benefit from, the vet center is free. So, and it's not at a VA, it's at a church. Okay. And they're getting ready to get their own um, location. So I just try to let people know that it's okay and it's okay not to be okay. Right. And then just, just reach out if you need help. So... So, so the you mentioned the yoga at the vet center um, and and bringing in counselors. Have you shared the the practices of of mindfulness and meditation there at the vet center or with any of your uh, friends or family? I definitely have. My uh, son has a counselor at the vet center, and I'm very appreciative of him being able to go there because he deals with a lot of test anxiety. So I have shared the, the resources that they have. And a lot of things here in Clarksville, I don't think other cities are, uh, veterans might not be as fortunate as we are. They're free. So they do free, they do warrior yoga, free at yoga mat off exit eight. They do it free on Wednesdays. So just letting them know that the services are there if they need them. Don't be embarrassed by them. A lot of people that have gone in initially like with me some, with some skepticism, mm-hmm have said, you know, this I slept pretty good last night after, <laughs> after yoga. So <laughs> it actually does work to, to calm the mind. Definitely. I mean, that's that's uh, that's why we're, we're still practicing, right? I, I mean, right. yeah, because it <laughs> does work. Part is there's no judgment. So you don't have to be a professional yoga, yoga person or yogi yeah. in the position. There is no wrong way to do yoga. Right. So. <laughs> right, definitely, and that's. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, I'm broken physically, or or, or as Dave uh, Drake says, I am bent, not broken. Right, um, right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I love um, yoga. But if if I get with anyone who is a yogi, they'll right. see that I am definitely not doing the poses exactly right, uh, or or anything. But I, it definitely has its its uh, benefits, physical and mental benefits. Right. Um, yeah. So. Um, when you first told people that you were practicing yoga, mindfulness, and meditation, what was their typical response? For family members, it was because I, I was brought up in a very religious household. It's like, isn't that demonic? And I'm uh-huh. like, what? Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just need to tell Jesus about your problems. I'm like, oh, I can tell Jesus and still get on my yoga mat. So. <laughs> Family yeah. members were very, and they still are, because I'll, I'll post pictures when I go out on Sundays. Uh, my family and I, we go to Rotary Park on Sundays just to, you know, walk around and take pictures of different things. And um, my, my one of my cousins said jokingly, well, if you're out there, you know, kissing, gathering flowers or whatever you're doing, you know. So with family, they have not been accepting yeah. of it. I have a cousin that's uh navy he's a navy veteran and i think he has undiagnosed ptsd but i cannot get him to uh go to therapy 
or yeah. get some help because he thinks that you know it's weakness. it's demonic. So, but oh, friends yeah. are more open to it because I don't give my friends a choice. Like with fam, my family's mostly in North Carolina. Uh-huh. But if you're here locally in Clarksville and I consider you a friend, you're not going to have a choice because I'm going to uh, spoon feed you <laughs> <laughs> yoga through uh, you know the different meetings that we have because I get to plan them. So when I'm planning, at least once a year, you're gonna we're gonna talk about mindfulness. As a matter of fact, when I came back from Beckwith, there was something I can't remember. I think it was Laura gave all of us and I opened a veterans meeting for women here by reading that and they all were just looking like what <laughs> <laughs> it's different right like yeah. what is she what happened to her <laughs> <laughs> good for you if you and are you are you um hoping to go to another veterans path retreat in the future well i don't want to take up somebody else's spot yeah. i would love to see some of those that went initially because uh, i still keep in contact with a few of my roommates I would like to see them have the opportunity to go back a second time because mm-hmm. I think they, they will see how much they've grown and how they've implemented things that they probably were against initially um, and not even knowing it. Just like I said, when you tell somebody to take an intentional, bre- an intentional breath and they do it and it works. So I would love to see some of my sisters from Beckwith get an opportunity to go back a, a second time. Right. I actually have the video from uh, Centerpoint the um from tiffany higgins okay. i believe i believe it opens with you and you it mentioned does, with the purple hair, yeah me. yeah uh, I, I was like okay i, I recognize monica yeah I, I just watched that today we're going to be publishing it on youtube here in the, in the next day or so so okay. be on the lookout for that I will. Um, so if you could share one thing with our audience today outside of what we've already discussed uh what would that be I can't reiterate enough to finding a safe space. There's so many veteran support organizations and um, ours, Women's Veterans of America is for women only, but you have the VFW, you have Team Red, White and Blue. So find your people. Don't ostracize yourself if you are a victim slash survivor of military sexual trauma. Like there are people that want to hear your story. I, I know sometimes we say, oh, another war story, but there are veteran service organizations that are waiting to hear your war story. So mm-hmm. uh, don't ostracize yourself. Find a battle buddy and just um, you know roll your sleeves up and get get ready to do some work. So because normally when you're new to a veteran service organization, they're gonna find something for you to do anyway. <laughs> uh, my yeah, grandma always no said, uh, "Idle hands are the devil's playground." So when you are just at home and, and you're thinking about it and, and overanalyzing and, and blaming yourself and trying to self soothe through you know drugs and alcohol that's not gonna turn out too well for you. So sure. just open yourself up and find a safe space. And I always post when I do a Veterans Path retreat, the Absolutely. link so those that are thinking about it can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the men pin, right? That's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> so just find your people. And I think you'll find them at veteran service organizations and, and get the counseling that you need, and it's okay not to be okay. So yeah, that's and, what I recommend. And, just find a safe space, find a battle buddy. We were taught in, in basic training, 
you know, you can't go anywhere without a battle buddy. So yeah. I don't know I, when people, you know, leave the military, they want to leave everything behind <laughs> that they learned in the military. Like that's going to make it better. I mean, what right. happens still happen whether you ostracize yourself or not. So that would be my yeah. advice. Find your people. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned VSOs wanting to hear your war stories and, right. you know, I've, um, you reached out and, and uh, mentioned that you wanted to share your story on, on the podcast. I've had a, a couple of other people reach out and say, hey, they want to share their story, but they don't have war stories. And right. I'm, doing, I'm doing air quotes right now as though you can right. see me. Uh, <laughs> but but everybody has a war story. It may not be right. the battlefield per se, but they have something that they're carrying with them, something that there is a burden for them from their time in the military. And by sharing right. that, it, it one, it helps to take that burden off their shoulders uh, or at least a piece of it. And as they share it more and more, that burden, it gets lighter and lighter. Um, <clears throat> but it also shows people that you're willing to share that story and may allow them to share their story, may prov- provoke them to share their story and then help them to lessen their load that they're carrying. Right. So, um, so if you were able to speak directly with the president, and I mean the position of the president, not so much the person who may be currently sitting in the seat, what would you ask him or her to do for the military and veterans? We just need better oversight with veterans' issues. And I don't think it should be a left or right, Republican, Democrat, you know, blue versus red. Mm -hmm. I'm the chair for Tennessee Vet here uh, in Tennessee, and we have all, we have Buffalo Soldiers, we have the MOA, which is Military Office Association. And we all, in February, we go down to the Legislative Plaza to lobby for issues that specifically affect, affect veterans and, and their family members. So you just gotta get involved. Right. And I would ask that it, it be a bipartisan issue. Anything that's dealing with veterans, especially since there's so few now that are elected officials that serve like, don't make that, don't use us as pawns. Like, our issues are serious. I've lost two soldiers to suicide after they came back from combat. Mm. So um, that's not something that needs to be Republican issue or Democrat issue. That that needs to be a bipartisan issue. How can we stop the 22? And I think it's more than 22, but 22 yeah, veterans. 22 today. a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's ways we can stop it. So I would I ask the president... Um, to you know, just get people on, on veteran caucuses that actually care about veteran issues. Don't make it um, a political win or lose because we lose when you can't come together and yeah. find a way to help. It's a mental health crisis, I think. I agree. And if we don't, I agree. Um, when we don't put the right people in the positions um, to speak up for veterans, and, and then that's a problem. I hold them all accountable. I love going in February. To Legislative Plaza in Nashville, um, Tennessee, to let them, hey, this is the issues that uh, affect veterans. And you have Republicans, Democrats, you have people that don't vote that show up in February. So um, I would just ask the president to just be mindful of that and take veteran issues seriously because less than 1% serves. So right. you can help less than 1%. Um, yeah, isn't that crazy to think about? Like, right. Yeah, less than 1%. <laughs> That's right. just crazy. Uh, I love what you're doing. I mean, getting out there with the legislature and, and I mean, you are an advocate, a true yes. veterans advocate. So thank you for what you're doing. I, I well, certainly appreciate it. it. I appreciate it. It's my honor to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if people wanted to reach out to you after the show, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, maybe if, I don't know, it's social media or um, an email, if you would be comfortable sharing that or it would. Uh, yes, I'm, we- I'm most comfortable, John, sharing my email. I know that I'm Generation X, so I haven't let go of the Yahoo just yet. So. <laughs> my brother still has Hotmail, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he- he, he needs to do better. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, the people say I do too, but my email address is Meeks, that's M-E-E-K-S, Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at yahoo.com. Because that's something I check daily. I'm not always on uh, social media. Sometimes you have to unplug. So yeah, email absolutely. is a way you can contact me uh, 24-7. So. Okay. Yeah, just have them send me an email, John. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to put that on on the uh, on the recording. So okay. if uh, if you get some emails, don't be surprised. I won't. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think this kind of brings us to the the end of the show, Monica. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story, and I I, I love that you were bold enough to do that. Hopefully. What you're sharing here today on this podcast is also going to be heard by many and help to break down that stigma of seeking mental health support, but also make people aware of the MST that does exist out there. Your your strength and resilience shine through, and, and I know your story will resonate with, with our listeners. So thank you so much. It's truly been eye-opening for me, and I hope I hope many, many others. Well, thank you for the opportunity, John. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a pleasure. For, for our listeners, thank you for listening to the show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. Uh, we are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and Twitter. And remember, listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 